Hey folks, I'm Jason. And I'm Eric. I teach people how to raise livestock on the land. And I teach people the Bible. I play a little banjo. And I play bass. I'm a passionate bow hunter. And I'm a die-hard Badgers fan. Together we're just two common folk trying to pursue Jesus. And live out our faith beyond Sunday's sermon. Well kind of feel like we've been a little bit slacking lately <laughs> hey but we've done it well we missed what did we miss last week well we took a month off and yes. then we came back and then and then we well what did we do we the last one we recorded we haven't even posted yet we have um, have i gotten it to you yeah you okay. got it so right. like first it took you a while to get it to me <laughs> and, and then and now i've been sitting on it so I apologize to all of our diehard fans out there who are just really disappointed in us right now. (laughs) Me too. I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if they're even out there, but maybe we need to give them all some free swag with our logo on it. Do we have a logo? No, we don't. So just (laughs) more disappointment. There we go. (laughs) It's just I think it's well, and like we've said from the start, this is kind of connecting to just regular people and that's what like regular people you get into these months that just are like man it's just a lot that you're trying to balance and so so the um, way that we're connecting with regular people is we're failing to connect with them occasionally yes Yes. (laughs) well we're failing to be perfect with it and so i think that there is something to be said about that of like hey there's times where you do have to just make that call and we've been talking about that a lot as well as just priorities and making the call of like all right what 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 gets first priority right now and so I mean there's that and then there's also just you know there's times where it's like all right I got to take a step back but that doesn't mean that like I stop doing this all together because it would have been really easy for us to be like hey we missed a few weeks you know what let's just call it but I think that there is something to be said about like all right you got to take a take a break but then be like all right now we're jumping back into it yeah. And I think that's one of those skills, at least for me, that is very essential to my life is that ability to be like, all right, I'm not going to be able to do this perfect, but I'm going to keep doing it the yeah. best I can. I, that's a, that's really good. I, I talk to my kids about that a lot. Um, just having resolve, like, you know, there's a lot, we could become discouraged every time something takes a wrong turn or doesn't work yeah. out, but you got to just make up your mind that it's going to work out and it's not always going to be perfect. Yep. There's consequences. I, I was just saying like the consequence in this case is I haven't posted the last one yet. Now I have no idea what we talked about. So I'm going to have to like <laughs> listen to it in order to come up with a title and a description. That's for true. It. That's true. And that's... I hate listening to myself. So that's an even <laughs> worse consequence. You can just type it i didn't listen to this one and just be like we forgot what was on this one so if you want to if you want to email us a description we'll just use yours so yeah i'll i'll get that one posted as soon as we're done here and then perfect since we're not gonna meet on next monday since it's christmas day we'll we'll save this one and post it next week sounds good and And then we'll be back on track well i think the next monday after that is new year's day oh good point so we should do a live recording during the Badgers game. That's true. Actually, no, that would <laughs> no. be bad. If you're talking about not not doing things perfect, you'd you'd get my whiny like. What are they doing? Exactly. Well, and we don't even know who's gonna play yet, so it's like it that could was be, me yesterday. Really? Well, yeah. you went to the Packer game. Yeah, that, that was, was that was rough. Yeah, although it 
didn't feel like we were out of it until six minutes to go in the game. Like, yeah. there was a chance. Yep. But it was just, like, frustrating. Like, what are they doing? I know. Well, that's even watching it. I was, I, I was frustrated. So I, I can't imagine going to the game. But, no, I think with everything in life, it's like I've had that where it's like as long as I can, like, be perfect and not trip up at all, I'm awesome. But then it's like as soon as there's one stumble, it's like, all right, I'm done. I give up. And it's like to learn that, like, hey, you got to be able to. I mean, that's the Bible's like a righteous man falls down, but mm-hmm. he gets back up. That's the like, you're, you're not going to be able to do it perfect. But to find that, like, that breather, I, well, like your, your sons have been playing on the youth worship team. And that's what I tell them all the time. And anyone new to worship, and I love getting, you know, people involved in worship that are brand new to it. That's what I say. It's like, you're going to make mistakes. And if you get to the point where you're like, shoot, I don't know where we are. I don't know what note we're on. I'm kind of lost on the page. And you, you feel that panic start to set in because that very much happens when you're playing worship. I'm just like, just stop for a second, take a breath and figure out kind of where we are. And then once you are like, okay, now I know where we are jump back in and don't worry about it. And I think that's a good life lesson of there's just times where it is. You just have yeah. to stop for a second, take a breath, get recalibrated, and then just jump back in. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that that's a skill, though, you have to develop because I don't think that comes naturally, at least for me. Naturally, it's like as soon as I start to stumble and it doesn't go exactly the way I want, it's like, well, this must not be the right thing then. Let me go yeah. look for the next thing. Instead of being like, no, just take a breather, figure out where you are, jump back in, keep yeah. going. Yeah, I think probably if you studied a whole bunch of successful people, it's that they didn't take uh, the first mistake or failure as a signal to jump out and stay out. Yes. You know, I, I like the thought of like you know stepping out for a minute like sometimes we just have to do that um but i think it's human nature like to step out and stay out but yes. there's not a lot of reward in staying out like you, you have to get back into it somehow and i've even thought about that like i i keep using this example i think but i started playing hockey again and mm-hmm. and uh I've realized that, like, like at first glance, it's like, oh, I haven't really lost a step. Like, I can still skate really well, and I can kind of still handle the puck. But then you, then you start playing in some pretty stiff competition right. with people who, you know, have played more, and it's like, oh, man, I've lost a lot. Yep. And, um, But it, like, slowly comes back. But the only way it comes back is by going back out there Yes. more and more. And otherwise, if I would just be like, nope, I've lost it, I don't have it anymore, Mm -hmm. it won't happen. And I guess it's, you know, I've been reading, there's this one guy who I've been watching YouTube videos of, he's a... he has instructional videos for banjo on YouTube, oh, but nice. he's also a neurologist. That's right. You were telling me about him. Maybe yeah. I've talked about that. I tell the same stories a lot. My <laughs> no, kids roll if, their eyes. But I don't know if we've talked about it on here, though. Okay. I, think, I think that was just us talking. So if, if anyone on here is interested in learning music or like the 
the what happens in our brain when we mm-hmm. learn, like the psychology of learning music, I guess. Yep. Or um, if they're interested in just how people learn stuff in general, mm-hmm. this guy has a, he wrote a book and he has a podcast with like super short, like maybe 15 minute episodes. It's called Brain Joe. Okay. And it's not at all like I, I bought the book and it's you're not going to learn how to play banjo by learning the book, but you learn tons of fascinating stuff about what happens in our brain when we learn music. Yeah. And he was talking about all these scientific studies that show how much learning music fights um, like Alzheimer's and memory mm-hmm. loss and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, what's really interesting is... The, all the brain scans they've done have showed that what fights memory loss and, and Alzheimer's more than anything is being uh, like intermediate level sure. of music. So yeah. like when people get to like expert level where it's just second nature mm-hmm. and you can just tell like, holy cow how do they do that but they're like not even thinking about it that's not challenging their brain as much so like the people who are most safeguarded against memory loss and and cognitive decline i guess Mm -hmm. is the term he uses are those who kind of stink yeah but they keep trying but the problem is with music is when people kind of stink they quit trying yep because they just assume they're not good at it yeah and so he was talking about how important it is for people to continue playing. They have to see some sort of improvement. Yep. And without that, people just give up. Right. Yep. No, that's a great point. It's really fascinating. And then he talks about like people who become experts. It's like the then what you should do is like pick up another instrument. Right. And start learning that. Yep. Well, and it's I know that's I've I've wanted to learn how to play. Um, keys or piano for a long time because it's like any stringed instrument it's like yes there's a learning curve but there's so much that translates as far as like muscle memory and stuff like that that it's like to go from bass to guitar yeah there's differences but there's a lot of the same elements but like piano is like completely different like it's like you can't really translate other than just understanding music mentally yeah actually the process of playing is totally different and that's what this might be convincing me to just do that but i I think just even going back it's like not only are breaks okay i I think we underestimate the the actual benefits of breaks especially when you know i know when i was really big into crossfit there was a guy that was there and him and his wife ended up um having their first baby and so they were away from the gym for like a month and he came back and it was like he was he had just taken this huge like jump in like the level of weights and stuff and I was like what were you doing he's like I didn't do anything and the coach there was like I've seen that over and over again like if someone's been like really just beating up their body like if they give their body like a true like break where it's like the body can totally heal itself and like start over you'll just see this huge jump in that like all those little like 
tweaks that you have, all the little muscle tears, yeah. like it all just gets like made whole again. So that that's really interesting. That's uh, reminding me of more parts of that book. I'm not even that far into it, but he talks about like there's like a rule of thumb. I think it's a thousand hours. Most people believe it takes to like. Or is it 10,000? I can't remember. It's it's some amount of hours it takes to, like, become an expert or uh, become really good at something, whatever you call that. And so then he, like, does the backwards math, and it's super discouraging because it's like you have to spend this much time of every day if you want to become really good at guitar or whatever. But then... But then he does, he sort of integrates some of our other knowledge about the way we learn stuff into it, and it becomes a lot more encouraging mm-hmm. because what it shows is the the studies show that, like, once you get over this amount of time, mm-hmm. the in any, like, sit-down or session, right. it like the, it's diminishing returns. Like, you're not getting as much out of it. So right. what he shows is, like, the sweet spot is, like, 20 minutes a day right or something like that so like you sit down mm-hmm. and then you walk away yep and so like we tend to think of people becoming really skilled at something could be athletes or musicians or whatever else as like spending countless hours yes. tirelessly and actually the break is just as important oh for sure well and i think and that this actually kind of translates to what we talked about on Sunday is because I think one of the problems is, is if like the only goal is to become like impressive at it, yeah. then you're going to like hate the whole process and you're yeah. going to be like, I hate But like, if you look at someone who's become really good at an instrument or really good as an athlete, it's because they love to do it. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, so I would either be sitting and watching some dumb TV show or playing the instrument and I, and I love doing it. Mm-hmm. And that's the loving the process is like, if you don't love the process, yeah. if your only goal is like, I want to be able to, to impress and wow people with how I play, you're not going to keep doing it yeah. because that's just not a good enough motivator to do the 10,000 hours. It's, it's like, um, we talk about this a lot as, as the, as a staff of just not being in love with the destination. Like if you have one person who loves running and another person who loves crossing the finish line, who's going to run more? Like it, you have to love running. You right. have to love the process. And, you know, on Sunday we were talking about the, the Pharisees and we were, we were talking about kind of one of the more famous things that Jesus said to them about you, you clean the outside of the cup and not the inside, you know, you're, you're like whitewashed tombs and just talking about how much energy we put forward into being impressive and looking the right way and how you can never make real change from the outside in. It never correlates that way. But Jesus is like, if you clean the inside, the outside is going to be clean too. Mm-hmm. It's like starting in the right place. And we we're just kind of talking about how the Pharisees, like in general, we, we looked at four of the, the woes of the Pharisees and there's seven in Matthew 23. And for all of them, it wasn't that what they were focused on was wrong. They were just out of order. They weren't starting where they needed to start. They were, you know, they were trying to find loopholes. They were trying to skip steps. And so it's like, you know, wanting, wanting yourself to have like change that people can see and notice is not wrong. 
but you can't start there. That can't be what you're focused on because you'll never be able to then have real change inside because change doesn't work from the outside in. And so it's like starting in the right place, which is like dealing with the actual junk that's going on inside of you. Because no matter how good you clean the outside and make yourself look the right way and, and all of that, if you still have junk inside of you, it's going to keep spilling out and you're right. going to have to just keep cleaning the outside your whole life versus actually dealing with what's going on inside and then the outside is going to get taken care of you know that that's just going to happen naturally on its own yeah i think uh failure is part of any learning experience and if we're if our goal for learning is outward like what what is visible yep then we're not going to go much past the failure because failure is embarrassing and it's like the total opposite of what we're trying to achieve. Yep. But if our goal is to actually like, you know, master something because we just truly love it or enjoy it, then we're not really going to, but we don't, you know, our primary goal isn't what people see, then we're not really going to care what people see. Right. Yep. Well, I think the biggest question is, is like, whatever it is that you're pursuing, do you want to look blank or do you want to be blank? So, uh, you know, on Sunday we're talking, do you want to look clean or do you want to be clean? Like, Mm -hmm. because those are two very different mindsets and approaches to have. And that's the Pharisees wanted to look clean. They really didn't care if they were clean. They just wanted to look clean. And that's the biggest question for all of us is, is our energy going into looking clean or being clean? Because you're going to approach it completely different. If you look at a dish, if you want that dish to look clean, you're going to clean the outside. If you want the dish to be clean, you're going to clean the inside. Um, And I, you know, I challenge our congregation and just even myself is like, most of us, if we are really honest, are going to fail this this test of what, what do I put more energy into? It's I just think, we, we do. Well, and, and to just kind of use the, the Pharisees and exa- as an example and, like, how that relates to our life. Like, mm-hmm. like, seeing how other people live out faith and and sort of modeling ourselves after that that's almost part of the process for everybody like it it's almost unavoidable it's inevitable like you have to learn somewhere yes um and and so it's almost like the first steps for for almost everybody right as they in their faith journey but then at some point you have to make the transition and take ownership of it yourself. Yes. Um, and so I think th- that, I don't know exactly what I'm trying to say there, but it's just like this awkward part of, of everyone's yes. faith, and, and it needs to happen, but everyone comes to it at a different point. Some people never do. Right. Because they never really put themselves in a place that challenges that yes. sort of superficial faith. Yeah. But I also don't want to like totally um talk down or throw under the bus that 
beginning superficial part because it's important or it's it's like part of the process right well and that's what paul did say you know imitate me as i imitate christ and so you're right there is something to be said when you're a new christian at like trying to find some mature christians and being like okay what are they doing and what can i but i think one of the problems is and this is across all of life and and we see a lot of incorrect decisions being made based on like correlation does not equal causation and like that's one of the biggest problems is that we can do these surveys and say well you know people who are healthy tend to do this therefore this makes you healthy and it's like that's not necessarily true just because there's a correlation and so I'll I'll give an example of this is like you know if if I want to become you know, a bodybuilder and I go and I, and I find a bodybuilder. And when I see them working towards that, I see that they're sweating and I can be like, okay, so you have to sweat to become a bodybuilder, which isn't necessarily wrong. But then, so I just go and sit in a sauna every day is like, no, that's, that's correlation is not causation. That does not get you there. That just happens to be a byproduct of it. And oftentimes we can make the byproduct what we look to, to like make it happen. And so that was one of the biggest problems with the Pharisees is in all of the examples, what they were doing was not wrong. Even Jesus, when, when he was talking about them tithing a tenth of their spices versus actually caring about justice and mercy, he's like, you should have done that. That's fine. It's not wrong that you did that. But you can't use that as like the excuse to not do the actual real work. Just like me being like, well, I don't need to work out. I'm going to the sauna. I'm sweating. Clearly, I'm going to get all this muscle. It's like, no, like sweating isn't wrong. But like that can't be what you look to to like be the real work of what you're you got to approach this as. I think this is where churches end up really getting themselves sort of off track or into some arbitrary place because they focus so much on and it's easy to do mm-hmm. but like you know when you focus on outward things like even like social issues and stuff mm-hmm. like that it becomes more about like how we look or how we appear yes. than than it really is about like what's in the heart yes and you can that can go on undetected for a really long time and all of a sudden you have people who've you know been led to believe that they're they're following god their entire life and really they're not right you're and and that's that's one of the problems about worrying about the exterior is because the exterior stuff can be manipulated it can be faked it Mm -hmm. can be you know you can play the game and with the, the heart stuff is really hard to fake. That's why that's where God looks because you're, you're not going to be able to fool God with, right. with it. And that even goes back to, you know, the Pharisees wanting to be accountable to the world instead of accountable to God is it's like, because I can manipulate people, I can fake it for people, but you can't do that for God. And that's where it's like, you know, the, the big question for me that even as I prepared the message for Sunday is just with everything in life, Do I want to be it or do I want to look it? Because those are two wildly different things and you are going to approach it 
completely different based on what is your main goal. And I, I gave this example on Sunday and I was, I told the church, I promise this is not like a fitness seminar. It's just, this is, it, mm-hmm. it correlates is that, you know, when, when I was 300 pounds, it was like, I just wanted to look good. I just wanted to look skinny. I just wanted to not look unhealthy. Yeah. And so I approached it from like, I want to look healthy. But when you do that, it's just like, how do I lose as much weight as possible? Which the funny thing is, is if you try to just lose as much weight as possible, how you do that is completely unhealthy things. Right. But as soon as I was like, you know what? I just want to be healthy. And I'm not even going to worry about what that looks like. Like inside, I just want to be healthy. I want to wake up and feel capable and feel strong and feel like I can actually go and do things and and things like that. And as soon as I was like, I just want to be healthy, I never looked more healthy in my whole life because that's when you deal with it from the inside out, that's how it works. And that's what Jesus said. If you clean the inside of the cup, the outside will be cleaned as well. But it's like to try to do it from the outside in of if I just try really hard to look healthy, then eventually I'll be healthy. It never works that way because it's actually, you approach it very unhealthy when the looks are where you start. And I think that that's exactly how it is with, with even our faith is like, if you want to look like a good Christian, that is not necessarily going to lead to like true health as a Christian. You have to, if you first just worry about, I just want to be a true disciple and I want to be changed and I want to be transformed. And you trust that the outward is going to naturally happen you're going to approach it in such a different way than like, I just want to look like a good Christian. And I'm hoping that that eventually just makes me into a good Christian that it doesn't work from the outside in. It only works from the inside out. And that's where, like you said, I think a lot of churches get in. We just get ourselves in trouble because we just kind of tell people to deal with the superficial first and that, well, the heart stuff will come after that. And that's, Jesus kind of lays it out that, that it doesn't work from the outside in. The only way to judge if something looks right is to have something to compare it to. And that's where the problem really is rooted is what do you compare it to? Right. And like you have to create a standard basically. Right. Well, what is really standard about God? Right. Like God is creative and is all about like you know a diversity of things right and we we tend to want to you know really distill things down into very simplistic like this is what it should look like right it needs to fit within this sort of standard description and that's just not how people are in general that's not how nature is it's not how god's design is right we know that so then why would we expect what following jesus looks like on the outside to be the same for everybody absolutely and i that's one of my biggest passions is that you know we tend to think that there is just a cookie cutter christian form that's like this is what all christians look like now, there is standards for certain things. There's standards for, you know, what is acceptable right. and not. But as far as the journey that each person is going to go on, 
like number one, the Bible is very clear that we were all made wildly different with different personalities, different passions, different gifts, different like experiences, different paths. We are all wildly different and we all have a different like call. Now there's certain things we are all called to do, but walking out obedience is going to look completely different for each of us, even if it's just the order in which we tackle certain things in our life. There's going to be some things that for you is like, this is the first thing you got to tackle. And mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit is going to be like, we got to start here. This is a major thing. And for me, that might be five, six steps down the road because there's something else that's really got a hold on my heart that's like, this has to be first. And so we tend to want there to just be a blueprint for like, once you become a Christian, this is exactly how it looks. It's like we almost want it to be like where, you know, you have those subdivisions where a big piece of land is bought and they just build the exact same house yeah. with like a slightly different color siding over and over again. And it's like clockwork. You, you lay the foundation first, then you do this, then you mm-hmm. do that. And it's not. It's, it's like, you know, renovating houses and trying to restore a historical house back to it like everyone is you're going to have to approach it differently there's there's different uh, things that are going to need to be done to get it back to the original design because none of those houses were built exactly the same and so that's i think that that's so essential to man i love that analogy like i'm just kind of stuck on that in my mind and that and that is just a really good example of like what humans sort of want to do what yes. what their sort of human nature is is to kind of come up with that like we can we yep. can slam these out we know exactly how it's going to work and we know exactly what to expect and we know exactly how to do it yep versus no every one of these is a completely different approach and we don't know what we're going to encounter yep. and we know we have to be flexible and we know we're going to have to just you know have to use our our mind and and yeah. reason through it and yeah. well and let god take the lead and that's what me and it might be time for me to give this sermon at our church because there's a sermon i've given a couple times that are really close to my heart and it's it, the the core of it is just the difference between a, a renovation and a restoration when it comes to houses because like let's say you have a house that's just in horrific repair it's like it had been rented out people treated it like garbage it's just like it's in rough shape but it's like this when this house was built it was like built with care and there's some really good bones in this there's two different types of people who are going to approach fixing that house up there's going to be flippers and just renovation how do we just add value like as quick as we can how do we you know do whatever's popular at the time slap some paint on make it so that we can turn a profit add some value to this house and then there would be someone who is a true restorer who would be like what was the original design of this house what how was this supposed to look at the beginning and how do i get this back to like its true design to showcase the beauty of what this house is truly supposed to be now the renovation is going to make more money and go faster but the restoration people do that because they just truly care about that design and 
we as Christians tend to want God to approach us as a flip. Like, just add value to me, make it quick, and, and let me feel like now I'm worth more. And that's not how God approaches it because he was the original designer. So he's like, no, I'm not just going to slap some white paint on these cats. These are like beautiful, like whatever oak. You know more about wood than yeah. I do. Like we're going to sand these down and we're going to refinish these and we're going to showcase what this really is. Yeah, you're going to sort of take it back to what the original intent of that was. Yes. Um, and with the renovation... That's not as big picture thinking. It's very more short-sighted, like what's right now. Yep. And it's probably not going to be very long-lasting. Like whatever it is, like if you're, you know, putting the coolest, whatever's hot right now, well, it won't be hot in 10 years. Absolutely. Whereas the renovation, right? Restoration. Restoration is more timeless, it's timeless. in nature. Well, and it's like... you. What I love about a restoration is there's so much more care taken because you have to like, because I used to watch a lot of shows of like all of those. And there was one, one lady who was really into restoration. That's what she would research like crazy. Like what was, you know, what would this have truly looked like? And what was the original intention for this room? Like, oh, this room was meant to be like, and all these weird like rooms that we don't even have anymore, but just understanding like just because maybe it's not hot right now yeah and then it's like when it's finished it's like there's so much more of a depth and there's so much more care in that and for me that's just just realizing not just for me but for every christian it's not just like because it is the people who flip houses it's like i'm gonna put the exact same flooring in every house i'm gonna paint the cabinets the exact same color i'm gonna paint all the walls the same beige color like it's Mm -hmm. i i have my formula and every i don't ask questions about anything i slap my formula down and then i sell it and i move on to the next thing and unfortunately that's how the church sometimes can approach christians in general is like we're just going to slap our formula on you versus like like how did god originally design you and and what happened? What's your story? Like, how, how did how did you get messed up in this whole thing? And you know, where are those cabinets that needed to be sanded down and and restained, or you know, all of those things? And to take just and, and the thing is, it just takes time. Right. Like a restoration just takes way more time than a renovation yeah. does, and it takes more thought and more care and more attention. And that's where. But that's the heart of God. You know, a restoration is a dirty process, too. Mm-hmm. And it almost, like, you have to be willing to go through the phase of tearing everything down and, like, stripping it down and yep. unveiling things and all of that. And yes. But it's all, again, part of the process. Yes. Whereas a renovation, you're not really doing that. You're just like you said, slapping yep. a coat of paint on it because you don't really want to go through the mess of right. tearing everything down and possibly exposing, you know, some wiring that needs to be <laughs> right. that's not up to code or whatever. Yes. Yep. And so a lot of people actually prefer, you know, talking about faith now, mm-hmm. the renovation. Yes. Yep. Because they're fearful of what's going to happen if they tear, if they open things up. 
Absolutely. Um, when I, that's where I even said, like most of us, and I've been there, like I begged God, just get, just do a flip. Like, I don't yeah. want to deal with all, cause, cause the thing is, is like when you do a restoration, you, you are trusting that the original design has enough value to be worth all the extra work to bring it back to that. And for most of us, we can't see that in ourselves. We don't, we don't see the beauty of the right. design in ourselves. So we are just like, I, this is all dumb. Just slap some paint on me. Just, I want to just feel like I have some value and I've, I've, you know, grown and I'm worth more now than I was before because it's, it's scary to be like, if I go through all this work for a restoration, it could be revealed that the original design was dumb. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's a scary thing to deal with. I don't think God is interested in renovating us. He's no. interested in restoring us. So if we truly open it up to him and, and put him in control, he is not going to just slap a coat of paint onto us. And if and so I would say, and I think we've all been guilty of this, so this isn't me just like being like talking down on anybody, right. but like we've all tried for the the I keep confused the renovation mm -hmm. part. We've yeah. all done it. Absolutely. And the the resources for us to do that are abundant. Yes. They're easily accessible all right. around us. You can find ways some people call it Christianese, but mm -hmm. whatever you want to do, there's yeah. in America especially, we can find whatever we want to sort of restore the outside appearance of us yep. that would trick ourselves and everyone else around us into believing we are really following Jesus. Yep. Um, but if we come to a point of like truly saying, God, you're in control. Right. He's not going to renovate us. He's going to restore us. And we have to be okay knowing that there's a teardown phase. Yes. And that's very undesirable. I mean, I restored our kitchen, and I had to pull down lath and plaster. Yep. And we all lived through that for a couple months, and it was dirty and miserable. Yes. But now it's in the past, and yep. we won't have what we have without going through that. Well, and that's, can you imagine if somebody built a house with care and like put, used all the best materials and like thought through and like that put their heart and soul into building this house and then sold it and someone else rented it out and it just got trashed and it got destroyed and that same person bought it back. Do you think that person is like, just throw some generic like laminate flooring in, paint the cabinets white and just sell it off? No, that, that person is going to want to bring it back to the original. Mm -hmm. Like, that's, and God's the same way. Like, he is not going to do that. And, and the thing is, it's like, we can see it in the physical. I mean, there's that joke going around of like, you know, the, my parents' generation of like, you're the guys that put like linoleum over beautiful hardwood floors. Mm -hmm. What are you thinking? What were you, th but at the time that was hot and it's like, no matter, like, if you do it that way, it's literally just a matter of time before it's exposed for what it is. There were six layers on top of the original hardwood floor in our kitchen and dining room. Yep. It's, it's and I had numerous people tell me, like, 
you are way more ambitious than I would be. And I'd be like, I just, there's something about me that once I found out that's what's under there, I could not justify doing anything but this. And that's, that's a perfect example of, I think, how we need to approach other Christians of rather than expecting them to be, why don't you just, you know, look this way? Being like, get that glimpse of like, oh, what's under all those layers? Oh, man, let's dig that up and understand it's going to be messy and dirty. Mm -hmm. But to have that heart of like, yeah, we can just slap some laminate flooring on this. But like, it's like once you get a glimpse of that, like you said, like once you see that first layer of hardwood floor and you know that's under there, it's like, no, this is worth it to just dig this up. But, and, and again, that's one of the problems with the American church is just, we just have no patience. It's, it's like, we, we want there to be, you know, our church had 500 salvations this year and it's like, well, you can't restore 500 houses in a year. You right. can renovate 500. Not only do we not have patience for that process for ourselves, but we also don't have patience for the people who are actually going through a restoration yes. process. Yes. Like we like put them away. They're they're sort of, you know, mm-hmm. um, annoying yeah. or embarrassing or yeah. whatever it is. And I think that's another major flaw of the church and i'm sure i'm guilty of it as well like some you know there's people who are going through a restoration process like we probably have more grace for ourselves when we're going through that right and we do people who we cross paths with but they they require resources right they sap energy from us as opposed to infusing energy into us right and um but I think it's like with what you said, I think one of the biggest ways that I've been able to handle that is to be willing to do the work to, to see below some of those layers. Because once, like, at least for myself, once I start to see that original design in people, once like you, you talk to somebody and you really listen and you really try to learn who they are and you really try to see their heart, it's hard to not see God's original design, even through all of the yeah. layers of linoleum and all sorts of, you know, all the, you know, cigarette smoke stains on the wall and all. Like, if you truly look, it's hard not to see God's design. And that's where you can start to get excited. It's like you with, with your house is like, you, you do it out of a, a passion for it of like, but mm-hmm. I saw that it's worth it. Um, and I think that sometimes it's just a matter of, of taking the time to see even that little shred of like, you know, the seven layers of paint on the cabinets, but one area you're like, Ooh, is that, is that oak under that? Like, you know, you yeah. just start to see that you're like, Oh, that could really be something like it's going to be a while and it's going to be a dirty process, but like. That's not particle board under there. Let's you know? face it. It's going to suck. Yes, I mean, it is. But it's like once you're like, hey, that's not particle board. There's yeah. like there's somebody paid a lot for yeah. that oak and it can shine again, but it's going to take some time. Yeah. And, and so going back to the people part of that, like I think where part of the problem is, is generally speaking, most people, everyone needs restoration there's no way around it yes every single person walking the earth needs it but the 
the overwhelming consensus is that we don't need it, yeah. which is pride, yeah. which is the root of all sin. Yeah. And, and so when you're surrounded by people who don't want to admit that or who are in denial of the fact that restoration is needed, yeah. then the people who do choose to go through restoration are sort of setting themselves apart. Yeah, well, because think about it. I, I say it this way. Sin is the worst tenant you will ever have. Like, sin will always trash wherever mm-hmm. it, it dwells. And we've all been born into sin. We've all had sin as our tenants. And so it's like we're all going to be trashed once we get to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like, like, none of us get to Jesus unscathed. Like, right. we've all had these, like, horrific tenants that have just absolutely trashed the place. And so we all need restoration. The, the problem is, and this is just going back to the Pharisees, is if the standard is renovation, if that's what we celebrate and lift up in the church and you're going through a restoration process, but you see this other person in the church and they're like, hey, in one year, I went from this to this and look at these pictures. Look at how much, you know, I was worth this and now in, in a year I doubled my worth and everybody wants me because I look great. And you're going, I've been staying in cabinets for a year. Mm-hmm. I like, what? Yeah. I, like, I'm never going to catch up. It is so discouraging. And I think that's where, you know, the big thing with the church is to have restoration be the standard, to have that be the expectation, to have that be the norm so yeah. that people feel the freedom to really go through the process of, like what Jesus said, cleaning the cup inside. Like, let that be the norm. Don't make people feel like they're behind because they're going through the process the right way. Right. And I think that that's one of the hardest things is, is if you look around and you're like, everyone else is done. And I've been yeah. sanding cabinets and I'm not even, we haven't even moved out of the kitchen yet. It's like, yeah. that can be incredibly discouraging. And I just think you have to remember they're not done. <laughs> yes. If they look done, they're not. Uh, if you think you're done, you're not done. Yes. It's, it's a continuous process. Yep. And it's really easy to stage pictures yeah. We we've we actually looked at our house in Manaqua cuz they, you know, they hired our realtor hired this professional photographer and we were just looking at them and we were like that is not what our house looks like. <laughs> like we were just like that looks ridiculously good. It's so easy to stage pictures and yeah. that gets in and we don't have time to talk through the whole social media and we've already hit yeah. on that a little bit but just understanding like it's really easy to stage pictures, to get the right angle, to put the right filter on it. So, you know, you just slap some paint on it and from a distance it looks good. But like you get up close and it's like, that's the not. Only, the only maybe encouraging thing is, is the longer you look at a facade, the the longer time goes on, eventually you start recognizing it for what it is. Yes. Yep. And I think that's kind of slowly happening with social media. But the discouraging thing is then it just moves on to the next thing. Absolutely. Um, but but it is important to to just be aware of the fact that there are a lot of um, facade-type things out there that, right. we can, that can easily trick us. And you just have to be aware of it. And I think that's something that comes with age, comes with experience, comes with people as they mature in their faith is like not everything is what it's 
look or seems like when right. what or not everything you see is what it seems like or looks like and right. and not every um bump in the road should derail you and not every time you trip is you know should be something that um should discourage you and and it's like we can talk about and say those things a lot but they don't really mean anything to anyone until they just sort of experience it yes and until you see that first project get done you know you, you you sand these cabinets for you know weeks and weeks and you're like this is the dumbest thing why am i wasting my time and then you look around you see everything else that has to get done and you're like this is stupid. I'm not. And then you see that first project done. Yeah. And you are like, whoa, that was worth it. And that's just, that goes back to the beginning of our conversation, just talking about learning music. Like, if you can't even play Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, mm-hmm. and then, like, you look at some song that you want to play, yeah. um, you could be extremely discouraged by it. But, but, like, the only way to guarantee you're never going to advance yep. is to quit yep and that's the same in our faith yes. like if if you just bow out well then sure you're never gonna get anywhere yep but if you you know maybe you take a breather but you you step back in and i don't even know i don't want i want to make sure that doesn't get misinterpreted like with faith like, sure yep but I don't know. I guess the point is, is bumps in the road and, and, you know, challenging times happening. They're all part of the process. They're not necessarily a reason to become completely discouraged. Well, and it is. And that's a, you know, we, we talked about just even the, you know, loving to cross the finish line versus loving to run. It's like, if you're just in love with the, the reveal pictures, like, restoration just is not going to be for you but if, if you start to fall in love with the process of yeah. it then it's always fun and but there are going to be those seasons where it's like man there hasn't been like a big breakthrough in a while and we've just been sanding and sanding and like it is going to get discouraging I, I promise you there's going to be seasons as a christian where you're like are we even doing anything like is yeah. there even any change but it's like that's what it feels like to do something right and I think the whole core of it, at least for me in the journey that I had to walk through, is just trusting his design. Like that's ultimately, it's not about like, oh, I think I'm I'm worthy of being restored. It's like, no, I trust that he had a design. Like I and I trust that. And I trust that even if I don't see it, that God made me purposefully with an actual like design in mind. And he is very, very passionate about bringing me back to what he really made me to be. And I think it's more about trusting him than being like, it's not, this isn't like a self-motivation, I love myself kind of thing. It's like, no, I, I trust the design of the almighty God and I trust that he made me with a design. And so I want to see this through. I want to see what it looks like to let him showcase what that original design was but that just takes time Mm -hmm. and that's where i think as we kind of wrap this whole thing up is we have to be patient with ourselves we cannot go for the quick fix 
because that's what the Pharisees did, slap a coat of paint on it. We can't go that route because not only is that not good for us, but then we set the standard for every other Christian that that's the norm, that that's yeah. what it should look like. And now we're, now we're messing up generations of Christians. Right. And I think that that's unfortunately kind of what has happened in the church in America and why we find ourselves where we are right now, where everyone feels that pressure to be perfect right now. Yeah. And to, to have that, you know, to look exactly how we're supposed to look right now. And I don't think that's doing us many favors. Well, speaking of things taking time and and being in need of restoration, did you know that this will be the last podcast that re, that we record while I'm in my 30s? I did not know that. Yeah. I guess now that I think about it, I, I knew that that was coming up. Yeah, so How's tomorrow. That? Ooh, tomorrow well, happy we, early birthday. You going to do something fun? Uh, I don't think so. I just <laughs> don't have anything on the calendar, which I'm okay with. Nice. So, what do you, you're not going to do anything? You're I don't. Gonna eat a special meal? I don't, my, my boys play basketball tomorrow night. Nice. And I don't know, that's all I've got, but that's okay. Um, yeah. You should do so. You we should went to the Packer the, game yesterday. That was kind of a birthday thing? Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Well, I wish they would have won then. That would have made it for a better one. Yeah. Well, happy early birthday, and yeah, I hope you're able to... So we're, we're working on, now that now that we're hitting the 40s, it's all about restoration. How yeah. do we fix up this old house? To well, <laughs> but the thing is, and I was thinking about this the other day, is like, we still have half our life left. Yeah. Which is wild. I never think of it that way, that I, I have half my life left. I do not look at age as a negative thing. I, I was made to be an old guy, I yeah. think. Yep. I'm pretty confident of that. I've always felt like an old soul. So I definitely, 100% with the utmost confidence, feel like my best years are still ahead of me. Absolutely. So. Well, and if you look at a football game, and I know this is going long, but that's right. It's like the, the second half is like, that's really important to, yeah. to be like, well, the first half is over. So basically it's already been decided is yeah. like that. No, not usually. It's almost always decided in the second. The first half, half like, is when we figure out our game plan. That's literally it. And I, I, I saw something like that the other day of like, even in life, it's like for most people, it takes the first 30 years to even figure out what they want and what yeah. they like and who they are. And it's like, you're not going to have stuff lined up once you hit 30 or at least if you do you're really lucky but it's like usually it's the first 30 years to just okay like in football terms okay what are they doing how are they trying to stop and then you come out a half knowing how to better attack and stuff like that so I've had that conversation with myself mentally too of like we're only halfway done and actually what's coming forward is like the part that probably matters the most coming up you know what an encouraging way to end this. Is it? Uh, yeah. Good. It is. Good. Yeah. So I think we shouldn't say anymore. All right. We're just going to stop it here. Yeah. Do you want to pray? Sure. Okay. All right. Lord, I thank you for this conversation that we had today. Um, I think it is encouraging. While there are some very challenging parts of what we talked about, that's life. And um, we we are well equipped um, to be fully restored and we know we're called to that. And so rather than us viewing that as an insurmountable challenge, um, I just pray for 
for Eric and I and everyone else listening that we just view that as a an opportunity um, and that we just recognize the fact that you have equipped us and you're there um, willing and able to equip us uh, to be fully restored and all we have to do is just be willing to, yes. to go through the process and I just thank you for the process every part of it the the tough parts of it the ugly parts of it they all make the end goal worth it and I thank you for your design and your purpose for us and I just pray for actual restoration for every one of us yes Lord. in your name we pray Amen. Amen.